Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. I'm excited because we are at the beginning of conference week. Oh my goodness, it only happens once a year. I'm so excited about uh, about conference. If you've been around Vivid Church for a while, or if you've even you know scoped our uh, Insta page over the last couple of months, you know we're pretty excited about Vivid Conference. It's coming up this Friday and Saturday, and I could not be more excited. I say I could not, but by tomorrow, I think I might be. Hey, it's going to be unbelievable as we get together and we spend some time in fellowship. We spend some time in the God's presence, and uh, we spend some time reaffirming, reestablishing, strengthening, and growing in this statement, which is our, our theme, I believe. I believe. You know, that that is more than just a statement. I think it is a truth about the way all of us live. What we believe is actually a statement about the way that we live. Do you know that every person lives on a foundation of their belief? Every single person. Like some people have this belief that if I work hard, better things will happen in my life. Do you know people like this? How do you know? Because they work hard. They actually believe that, that their effort means something and that their energy is worth expending on something of value, and so they put their work into it. There are other people who believe fatalistically that no matter what I do, the same results will always happen. Like, like my, my effort means nothing. And these people could probably tend to work a little less hard because they have no belief that what they do Makes a difference anyway. There are some people that, that would have this belief, just this, in, this resident belief that God is benevolent and God is kind and God is good and God is, is favorable and he's on our side. These people tend to live with what the Bible describes as hope. They tend to, be, to, to live kind of on the edge of their seat, even when things are going wrong, looking for how God is going to make this a good thing. You've been around people like this? Like something terrible is happening. They're like, wow, the Bible says God can make all things work together for good. How's he going to do it? Woo! It's unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time even imagining it. But praise God that he does more than we ask for or even imagine according to his power that's at work within us. They believe that God is kind and good, and so they're looking for that goodness. And then there are people who believe that God is disinterested or unknowable or maybe just a little bit vindictive and kind of moody and these people tend to look for the negative, even in positive things. Things are going well, and they're like, hey, don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. We know what happens when you get your hopes up. Your hopes get dashed, right? You've been around people like this? Hey, we can't blame them. They're just living out what they believe. They're living out, out, out of what they believe. There are people who believe in, in principles. They don't even know where they came from, but they, they've repeated them enough time that they're sure they're true. Like, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. And so they're constantly organizing things because they think it's what God wants, and, and maybe maybe that's true. You just can't find it in the Bible. There are people who believe concepts like karma, like, hey, I'll do good things. The universe is going to get me back. And they're, they're constantly going, like, I guess I didn't do enough good things because the universe is definitely not getting me back just yet. And so there's like these, this belief system. We all actually live out of what we, we believe. And there's a concept called cognitive dissonance. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Cognitive dissonance would be when we believe something, 
but we're not living in that conviction. And so it's like there's distress going on on the inside of us because I say I believe something, but if you looked at my actions, it wouldn't look like I actually believe that. You know what I'm talking about? Like a person who says, yes, conceptually, I believe that, that God could use a person like me, but I live in such a way that I, I'm convinced he never would. Conceptually, I believe that, that God has shown grace to me and he's forgiven me and he's shown kindness to me. And However, I cannot show that kind of grace to the people around me. And so there's this dissonance. I say I believe something, but my actions don't look like it. You know, a person who goes, conceptually, I believe in generosity, like as a concept, you know, I get it that, that if we're generous, that God provides for all of our needs according to his riches and glory, all those things. But if, if you look at the way I spend, it doesn't look like I believe what I say I believe. My, my heart for us as a church is that we would live out of our beliefs and that our beliefs would reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. And that as we simply live our lives as believers, what a great word, believers in Jesus, that you could tell what we believed based on the way that we lived. Are you with me? I'm so excited for us to take some time and grow in our beliefs. I was talking to someone this week, and, and, and uh, we were sharing our beliefs, sharing our, our concepts and how we understand Scripture. And one of the, the points made by this individual was this, that, that preaching should not have any stories in it. You shouldn't tell stories when you're preaching. Just get straight to the Word. The problem is that when I get straight to the word, all I see is story. Are you with me? Like, like if I want to preach like Jesus preached, if I want to live like Jesus lived, Jesus was constantly living out of story. And in fact, in the book of Romans, it says that everything that was written was for our benefit so that by if we can take what is written and learn to endure, that we too would have hope. So when I read a story like David and Goliath, the Bible actually instructs that I should learn from that and endure similar to that and live in that kind of hope. And when the Bible teaches about someone like Deborah who led the armies of her nation and, and she stood up in leadership even though it was uncommon for a woman in that time to do so, that I can learn from that and I can live like that and I can share in the same hope that the Scripture teaches. So story is all through Scripture. thought it was a funny thing. For a person to stay, there should be less story, less entertainment, less of that type of value in Scripture. It should just be hard and cold. And I thought, oh, man, I, I kind of am starting to understand how you see the Bible based on that belief. But let me show you really simply the way that Jesus taught. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to do a bit of a deep dive today, and I'm pretty excited about it. We're heading into conference week. I, I didn't tell you it was going to be like church light today. We're actually going to dive in and take some real notes, okay? If you're not a note taker, today's your day to embrace a new craft. We're going to take some notes today. Luke chapter 8, if you could turn there with me, Luke chapter 8. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about conference. We have people, friends who just flew in from Australia to attend conference. I, I think, to be honest, they also wanted to just get in on our great weather. And so they thought, you know, Vancouver in February, why would we want to be in Brisbane anyway? And so they came, but they came for conference. We got friends flying in from other parts of Canada. Our, our friends Josh and Georgie, Kelsey, pastors of See-Through New York, are going to get here in a couple days and be part of conference with us. Man, I'm excited. Check this out. Luke chapter 8. And uh, starting at verse 5, Jesus is telling a story. Interesting. Jesus telling a story. He says this, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. 
Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and then choked out the plant. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and it yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out to everyone, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. God, we pray today that you give us ears to hear what you're speaking. In your name we pray. If you're taking notes today, the the title of today's message is very simple, The Way to Win. The Way to Win. The Way to Win. I I, I want everyone to win. I I guess most of all, I want myself to win. But if there's a way for us all to win, I want everyone to win. Anyone watch the slam dunk contest yesterday? You think they got the right winner? Not sure about it. Not sure. Man, I'm a little, I, I was conflicted. I was conflicted because I heard the judges saying, let's just call it a tie. Let's just call it a tie. Let's just call it a tie. I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to see a winner. But then we saw a winner, and I don't know if it was the right winner, and I felt a little dissatisfied with the result. But you know, like the Bible is actually written with the intention that you and I could win. Like God actually wants us to live victorious lives, to live in victory. Does anyone believe that? Because that would have been a moment if I believed it that I probably would have made some noise. Just saying. Like if I wanted to shorter preaching and I believed that point, I would probably be like, I got you, Pastor. I'm with you. I understand so that I could move on. But since you didn't, I'm going to just come back to it again. Do you know that the Bible is actually intended to, like the heart of God towards you and I, is that we would live victorious lives? Okay, okay. A couple of you got it. But, but it's so important. I'm going to say it one more time. God's heart for you and I is that we would win. Like he's not looking to, to trick us into losing so he can remind us that his ways are higher than our ways. In fact, the whole revelation that God's ways are higher than our ways is him saying there's something you could still learn, and if you would learn it, you would do better at this thing called life. And I want you to win. Like I want you to know what matters to me so that you can live in the victory that I've destined for you. 1 John chapter uh, chapter 5 puts it this way. We're going to turn to 1 John chapter 5. We'll probably get back to Jesus' story in just a moment. But 1 John chapter 5. I love John. Okay, I love John because John speaks of himself in this way. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. Man, that's good. See, John is actually convinced of what he believes. He's like, Jesus said he loved me. I'm going to take Jesus at his word. I'm the one that Jesus loves. Like all the rest of them all, they, they heard it too. They can call themselves Matthew and Pete and whatever they want. But me, it's changed the way I see myself. I'm no longer just John. I am the one that Jesus loved. And this message of love so changed John's perspective that you see a, a near obsession with the concept of love. In everything that John writes, it always comes back to this thought of love. Why? Because love had changed him. And so the whole book of 1 John is this obsessed view on love that you and I would get it in our hearts and we would marinate on it and that it would nourish us and we'd understand what love is like. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 5. Here John, the disciple that Jesus loved, is speaking. 1 John chapter 5. And it says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father 
loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commandments. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commandments. And his commandments aren't burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Great question, John poses. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So really simply today, one point, like, like what's the way to win? Believe in Jesus. To believe Jesus, that's the way to win. How do you win in life? How do you overcome in life? Believe Jesus. You're like, wow, you're kind of oversimplifying it, I think. No, no, not really. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is actually that simple. That if we believe Jesus, we will Live lives of victory. You know what's crazy? The word victory in the Greek, it's actually uh, this word nikeo, which is where the brand Nike got their name, Nike, to live in victory. It's kind of cool, like victorious. Overcoming the world is victorious. Not just win by default, but win because you overcame something. Not just, not just win because, you know, you know I, I remember in, in high school once I won the hammer throwing contest for the, for the Okanagan zone. Not because I threw the hammer, but because I was the only person who signed up. Now, I still wore that ribbon like it mattered, but it didn't. I'm telling you, there, there, there was no pride, like no true, actual victory behind it. It was essentially a participation ribbon. But here the Bible says this, that, that the one who overcomes, like the one who is victorious in the midst of obstacle, that wrestles with and comes out on top. How do you win? Believe in Jesus. And he says this, to believe in Jesus is to do what he says. And to do what he says isn't burdensome. Now, now you're, you're hearing that, maybe like me, and saying, that has not been my experience because I find obedience to be a challenge. Anybody else find it hard to obey? Come on, anyone else find it hard? Let's put it in a more simple term. Do you find it hard to serve someone? Like even if you love them, do you still find it a little challenging? All right, married people in the room, you, you will have permission to raise your hand. Do you find it a little challenging even when you love someone? He, here's what it's saying. It's not burdensome in, in the fact that it, it's knowable. He's comparing it to every other religious system, which would say you are aiming at an unknown target. You have infinite possibilities to release this arrow. And after you release it, you better just hope you're aiming at the right target. That's a burden. A burden. Have I lived good enough? Have I tried hard enough? If you compare my good deeds to my bad deeds, does my score come out well? If you compare my good deeds to the good deeds of someone else, am I doing okay? That's a burden that we were not intended to bear. John says this, that the commandments of God aren't really burdensome. Like we can know what the target is. Here's the target. Jesus articulated it beautifully. Here's what he's asking. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And if you do so, you'll end up loving your neighbors as yourself. Like love God and love people. There you go. You have now fulfilled the whole law, all the commandments of God. Now, simple, yes, easy, never. Man, it's hard. But, but here's the challenge that the love of God would change my life so much that it's with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I feel different. I act different. I, I, I meditate on different things. My thoughts are different. My heart, soul, mind, and strength, my actions start looking different, all informed by and built upon this conviction that I'm loved by God. Man, do you know even when you fail, you're loved by God? 
Even when you intend the best and fall short, you're loved by God. Little secret. I mean, it, it might not be not, might not be easy to to understand, but even when you intend the worst and you <laughs> and you hit the mark, like you try to do the wrong thing and you succeed at it, you're still loved by God. Like the love of God is not contingent on our effort. It's not contingent on our faithfulness. It's not contingent on our pedigree. You're simply, truly, deeply, madly, man, that would make a good song right now, loved by God. You're loved by God. And if you allow that love to change you, then you live a life of love. You live a life in response to God. And that's not burdensome to live in response to love. It doesn't mean it's easy. It simply means that it's simple. God simplified it for us. He said, I'm not, I'm not hoping that you could just guess the right thing to do. I'm telling you, here's all I'm asking. Love me with everything and love people. Now, now, some of you might say, okay, I'm getting one out of two. Like, I'm doing my best to love God. But people, come on now. How am I supposed to love people? Because they're flawed. How, how am I supposed to love people? Because they don't do the things I want them to do. Well, check this. John says, if you love the father, you're going to love his, his children. Imagine if you would, Pastor Jennifer and I have seven kids, and imagine if someone, like, man, we love you guys, we want to spend some time. Could you bring five out of your seven kids with you? But you'll, you know which two we'd rather not see. How do you think that's going to go down? Like, oh, I love you guys, you're amazing, but your kids, my goodness, hate your kids. How do you think that's going down? And yet, do we do that? Do we live that way sometimes? God, I love you. Oh, hands raised high, hearts lifted high. I'm singing the songs. I know all the words. Doing everything I can. Even sponsoring a kid in a foreign country for the price of one cup of coffee a day. Doing it all. Putting my heart into this. But I cannot stand my roommate. You with me? Oh, my God. I I can't stand people who think differently than I think. I want to surround myself with people who think the way I think, act the way I act, prefer the things I prefer, like the things I like, dislike the things I dislike, so that life would be more easy. But it's, I'm doing pretty good because I love God with all my heart. And John goes, it just doesn't work that way to God. If you love, if you love the Father, then you, you love his children. And if you don't love his children, it should be like a little alert to you. You need to grow up in the love of God. And, and actually, if you want to live a life victoriously, it will, will begin to look more and more like you love people who are different than you. you. You extend grace towards people who think differently than you. You stop arguing on social media with people who think differently than you. Instead, you look for opportunity where you can find commonality and share encouragement and maybe even take the advice given to Thumper. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. That, that, like, like truly, you can begin... To love with action and thought and intention and deed and emotion that it begins to change the way that you're thinking. And the whole heart again, for for John, the one who Jesus loved, he's like, I want you to win. Here's how you overcome the world. Here's how you overcome the perpetual loneliness of humanity is you learn to live in love. You learn to live in the love God has for you, and it changes the way you see yourself. It changes the way that you understand God sees you. And if it really changes that part of your heart, it will always outflow in the way you see others. Because you start to see not the flaws in others, but you start to see the grace of God being poured out on others. It starts to change the way you're thinking. Now, I want to point out a few things that we need to contend against if we're going to 
going to really embrace this way to win, okay? A few things that if we're going to overcome, what is it that we're overcoming? Like, like what is the, the battle that we're fighting? But before I do, let me show you something that I woke up with this morning on my heart. Like the first thing when I woke up this morning was, oh, where's my phone? Got to turn off the alarm clock. Next thing I thought of was these passages of Scripture and how they apply to the message today. See, John didn't write just the Gospel of John or 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, which are epistles. He also wrote a book called Revelation. Okay, I want to show you something out of the book of Revelation today. And someone's going, oh, no, I brought a friend today. Don't talk about Revelation. You know, if you're new to church, it wasn't that funny of a joke anyway. You didn't miss anything. It's just this. The book of Revelation is, it's like almost an abstract piece of art that you look at and you're like, I don't understand all the symbolism here. It's like really kind of deep and symbolic. And so sometimes people get obsessed with Revelation, like what does everything mean? But let me show you just some very simple things in the book of Revelation. You see, Jesus wanting us to win. The book of Revelation begins with with messages to individual churches. They were literal churches of the time, but they also speak to the way we exist as a church today. And his message to the churches was messages like this. Hey, you guys, you're doing so good. I love the output of your life. I love the way you're, you're working. I love the stuff you're doing. But hey, you forgot your first love. You're doing this now because because you love the feeling of discipline, but you forgot that it all started with with love. Don't forget love. Don't forget love. Don't don't just embrace deeds. I was talking with a friend just this morning about this thing. The Bible says that faith without work is dead. Faith without work is dead. So actually, if you you have faith, it looks like the, the way you live. Faith plus work equals faith. That's what faith looks like. But, but catch this, faith without work is dead, but work without faith is just more work. Like who in life just wants to do more work? Hey, and he's going, hey, warning, warning, church, don't just do stuff because you know you're supposed to do stuff. Don't forget the love part. Then he says to another church, he said, guys, I love the way you're thinking. Like your thoughts are great. You're thinking really accurate, but I see that you've begun to syncretize your thinking with other philosophies. And the problem is you're building some of your convictions on things that aren't true. And so I just want to draw a line for you. Like, believe true things with sincerity, but don't buy the lie that if you just believe it sincere enough, it becomes true. Truth is truth, and, and a lie is a lie. I want to, like, make a dividing line here. Believe true things. And then, and then to another church, he's like, hey, I love, I love that you understand this for yourself, but it doesn't look like it because you're not sharing it with others. Where's the kindness and compassion and generosity to show? So there's these messages to churches, and if we look, and I can see myself in each one of them. And like, if you look at these letters, you could look at them later. I see myself and go, oh, I've, I've done that. I've forgotten my first love at times. Oh, I've done that. I, I've begun to deviate my thinking at times. Oh, man, some of those my actions don't line up. But here's what I want you to catch in these. At the end of every little message to a church, there's these two things that God repeats, and I think they're powerful. Look at this, uh, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7. Speaking to the church of Ephesus, it says this, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And to the one who is victorious, can everyone say victory? Oh, come on, vivid church, can we say victory? victory? To the one who's victorious, again, that Greek word is Nike, to the one who overcomes, who contends in battle and steps up to, to win the victory, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now catch this. 
Adam and Eve in the garden of God, the moment they sinned, God separated them from the tree of life. The moment that they, they went their own way, God said, I cannot allow you to stay in paradise because the, the, the tree of, of eternal life, this tree of life is not fit for you anymore. But to the one who's victorious, who listens and does what Jesus says, I'm going to not just give you the, the opportunity, I'm going to give you the right. You now have the right to eat from the tree of life. Isn't that cool? Look at what it says, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. And to the one who is victorious, can everyone say victory? They will not be hurt at all in the second death. Oh, my goodness, that's, that's good news. He goes, hey, believe me. Like, believe in me. Let, let it inform the way you live. And, and, like, let's be honest, we're all trying to stay a little younger. No matter what kind of moisturizing cream you are using, this, this physical body that we live in only lasts so long. Okay? That's why you should treat it well. That's why you should make sure you're eating right and working out and resting well and doing all the things. But in the end, this, this physical body we have only has so much, so much juice. But our spirits are eternal. And Jesus says this, if you believe in me, you don't have to worry anything about your eternity. No fear in eternity. You're not going to be hurt at all. You're actually going to experience more joy and, and more peace. I love when the Bible describes heaven. It says it's a place without weeping. It's a place without pain. It's a place without disease. It's a place you don't even have to go to sleep. You're just always rested. Come on, somebody. Oh, my goodness. Check what it says, Revelation chapter 2 and 17. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Do you see the, the little theme that's going on here where Jesus is saying, when I say stuff, you should listen? Like when the Bible is speaking, you should probably perk up a little bit and, and listen. It says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches. And to the one who's victorious, can everyone say victory? victory. I want to give them some hidden manna. Whoo! Hidden manna? Are you serious? Like God would provide for our needs? Without us having to labor and toil, we could just have what we need, be sustained, hidden manna. And not only hidden manna, I also want to give this person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. A white stone in that time was useful to a jury. When someone stood trial and was found either guilty or innocent, it was revealed by the, the exposing of a stone, black for guilty, white for innocent. And Jesus is saying this, hey, if you will listen to what I say and put it into practice, there's a white stone, and this white stone's got your name on it. And not only your name, it's got a new name known only to us. Anybody in the room have a nickname? Come on, make some noise if you've got a nickname. Okay, anybody in the room, let me ask you this. Anyone in the room have a nickname based on you at your worst? Like you in the most embarrassing moment or maybe your most you know, unbecoming feature or like it wasn't a nickname you prefer to have anyone. I won't ask you what it is, but be honest. Okay. Now, anyone in the room, you have a nickname that was actually given out of affection, out of endearment, out of closeness. And there's only, yeah, you with me? Okay. And, and there's only certain people who could use that name, right? Like it's a name that, that, that fits for you, but if other people call you, it's just kind of inappropriate. Like, like you can call your spouse by a cute little name, but if some random stranger calls you that name, you're like, you need to back off right now, right? This is my phone. I'm taking a video right now. This is going live if you don't back off, okay? Here's what, what Jesus is saying. I'm going to give you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you innocent, but I also want you to know how much affection we've got. I'm giving you a nickname, and it's just going to be between us. So other people have called you a failure, but I don't see you that way. And other people have labeled you by your addiction, but I don't look at you that way at all. And other people have, 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 
put on you the label of your biggest moment of failure, but not me. Not me. I got a name of affection towards you. And, and it's just between, between the two of us. It, it speaks to the significance of the relationship that we share. He who has an ear, let them hear. Check this out. We'll move a little bit quicker as it continues because there are more promises in Scripture. Revelation chapter 2, down to verse uh, 26, it says, To the one who is victorious, everyone say victory, and does my will to the end, I'm going to give them authority over nations. I will give that person also the morning star that he who has an ear hear. This morning star means I'm going to put a spotlight on their life. This person who's victorious, I'm going to shine on their life and make sure everybody knows about it. If you, if you follow me on social media, you know I brag on my kids a lot. I, 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 like, to, I like to shine a light on their accomplishments. This week, my daughter Kezia, my oldest daughter, she, uh, she and her team, her basketball team, qualified uh, for the provincial championships. I think they're going in ranked about fourth in the whole province. This year, they have won 21 games, lost only two, and those were both in overtime. I'm so proud of Kezia because in grade eight and grade nine, she was the last kid cut from the team. In grade 10, she barely made the team. They said, you're going to be a player who only practices because you don't have enough experience. Three weeks later, they said, oh, I can see your coachability and your work ethic. You're going to play. She's played all through the season. She's contributed all through the season, and now they're on their way. I just think we're going to be champions, okay? I'm excited about it. And, and the Bible's saying this, that God wants to give you a morning star. He wants to shine on your life and go like, see see what's happening in their life? Admirable. See what's happening in their lives? It's beautiful. It's lovely. It means something. It matters to me and, and to the one who's victorious. How are we victorious? Believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus, he puts a, a spotlight on your life. Man, sometimes like God blessing people can be offensive to some. I talk to people sometimes like, it's not like God just wants to bless you. I'm like, really? Can you show me that in Scripture? Because the Bible says out of the fullness of his grace, we all just keep on receiving more and more grace. So if you can somehow figure out how to turn that into bad news, I'd love to hear it. And and when the Bible is described as the gospel, which literally means good news, why would we take what is good and turn it bad? God doesn't just want to bless you. He also wants to hurt you. You you can't find it in Scripture. Here we see God saying, I want to put a a shining star on your life. I I want the world to see the beauty of what's happening in your life to those who overcome. Revelation chapter 3 down to to verse 5, it says, To the one who's victorious, uh, they will be dressed in white. I will never blot out their name or, or that person from the book of life, but I will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has an ear, let them hear check this out. If you believe Jesus, like you simply just live up to what you already know and understand and you allow his love to change your life, they're talking about you in heaven. Have you ever met someone like, oh, hey, I've heard all about you. And your first thought, depending on who they heard all about you from, is either real good or real bad, right? Like, oh, I I met your nemesis. Yeah, I've heard all about you. And you're like, no, right? Here's what it's saying, that in heaven they're talking about you right now. If you're contending in this battle and seeking to live a life of victory, heaven's talking about you. And Jesus is like, oh, man, you see my girl, my girl Letitia down there? Oh, my goodness. And God knows about you, and the angels know about you, and you're, you're, you're the talking point of heaven right now. That's what the Bible says. Isn't that awesome? That, that, that God, he's got your, your name on his mouth. Check this out. I'll give you, give you two more, and then we'll move on. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, down to verse 12, it says, To the one who's victorious, can everyone say victory? 
I will make them into a pillar in the temple of God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. It's like you're going to get a tattoo with Jesus' name on it. Now someone's like, my pastor told me I had to get a tattoo. No, I'm not, so I'm not what I'm saying. Although if you got an artistic idea, you go for it. I love when people are like, you know, I don't tattoo because my body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. And then you look at a temple and it's covered in art. Just a thought on tattoos. Okay, it says this, whoever has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And then it goes on, Revelation chapter 3, down to verse 21. It says, to the one who's victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has an ear to hear, let them hear. Here's what Jesus is saying. I've saved you a spot, guys, and it's a prime spot. I saved you a spot, and it's right beside me. Maybe, maybe you were on your way to church today, and you were a little late, so you texted a friend. They said, don't worry, I'll save you a spot. Here's what Jesus is saying, guys, I've saved you a spot in eternity. It's, it's a good spot right beside me. Just like my father saved me a spot at his right hand when I did everything he asked of me. Now, here's the thing. What did God the Father ask of Jesus? Live perfect, take on the curse of humanity, and then conquer death. And Jesus did that. And then here's what Jesus is asking of us. Ready? Believe in me. That's the full list. <laughs> Here's a way to win, guys. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Believe Jesus is who he said he is, and let that love change your life. Let that love change your thinking. Let that love change your human interactions. Let that love inform the depth and quality of your relationships. Understand that loving people desperately matters to God. Let that change you, and Jesus is like, oh, I saved you a spot right here. Just like my father saved me a throne, I got a throne for you. Come sit with me. Man, man, God desires nearness with us. He wants us to win. He's looking to set us up for victory. He's not looking to expose our weakness and point out our flaws and rub our face in them. He's actually saying, keep your eyes fixed on me. And if you listen to what I say and you put it into practice, you win. So let's roll it all the way back to Jesus' story. He said, it's like this, a farmer plants seed, some is stolen from the path. Some falls on hard ground and has no roots. Some falls in thorns and gets choked out. And some produces a great harvest. Let he who has an ear hear what I'm saying. And then the disciples, because they had closeness with Jesus, they, they, they did one of the most wise things a person ever could do. If you do nothing else today, I, I hope you adopt this type of practice in your life because it's available to you as well. It says this, then the disciples asked Jesus, what does that mean? You know, I think there's a lot of people, their faith never grows because they, they feel like they're not allowed to ask questions. We talked about doubt last week. I think doubt plays a huge part in our faith growing because doubt actually spurs on question. So they ask questions. Jesus is like, hey guys, I've got a great story. And everyone's like, I love stories. And then they leave. And the disciples are like, Jesus, it's not that I don't love stories, but can you explain what you meant by that? Because I'm a fisherman, and Matthew over there is a tax collector. We don't have any seed. I, like, we're not farmers. Are you calling us to a life of horticulture? Like, I don't, I don't get where you're going with this. Are you the seed? Am I the seed? Am I the bird that stole something? I just don't get it. 
And I don't know about you. Sometimes I look in scripture. I'm like, okay, cool. I think this is supposed to mean something to people. I just can't make sense of it. Even sometimes the words that I sing, like in a worship song, I'm like, okay, I like that word. I get that it rhymed. What does that have to do with me? Well, the disciples asked Jesus a question, and because they were the ones that he loved, he answered it. Do you know that you, as the ones that, that Jesus loves, you can ask God questions? That's why I love opening the Bible. Every time I open it, the, the, the author's in the room. I, I rarely open the Bible before praying the type of prayer that God speak to me. I want to hear what you're actually saying to me, and his word's alive and active. And so Jesus, in kindness, doesn't say, guys, are you for real? You don't understand this story. This is the simplest story idiot. No, no, no. Because he loves them and because he wants them to win, he explains it. And you know, the same is true for you because God loves you and he wants you to win. He's, he's looking to actually give you like followable steps. Check this out. He says, uh, verse 11, here's the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And they all went, oh, oh, the seed. And he said this, not only is the seed the word of God, but those along the path are ones who hear, but then the devil comes and takes away that word from their hearts, and so they never believe, and they never experience salvation. And those on rocky grounds are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but then they have no root. So they believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. And the seed that falls amongst thorns are the ones who hear, But then they go along their own way and they're choked out by life's worries and by riches and by pleasures and they never experience maturity. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and then persevere until they produce a crop. So check this out. If we want to live in the way to win, if we want to live this life of victory, believing in Jesus, you caught the concept repeated over and over that if we have ears to hear, we should actually hear, that, that we should actually give some attention to what God is saying and then put it into practice. He says, first of all, there are some, even though they hear it, it's just the, the plain fact is that there's an enemy of our soul. His name is the devil. He's come to steal and kill and destroy. And so they hear, but before that ever affects their heart, it's, it's robbed and stolen. You know what the Bible says? It says, draw near to God and resist the devil, and he must flee from you. There's some of us in our lives, we we are constantly being stolen from, trampled upon, destroyed, and brought to the point of death because there is room for the devil in our lives. Now, I'm not going to oversimplify this and say, oh, you just pray a simple prayer and everything will get easy. But, But first thing we need to do is understand that, that, yes, there is an enemy of our soul trying to steal from us. So if, you've, if you're getting tired of being robbed, the Bible says draw near to God. If you're tired of being stolen from, you say every time I get this little bit of joy, it's like it all gets destroyed. Then understand that if you would resist the devil, the Bible says he has to flee from you. That, that might mean you need to surround yourself with the, the types of influences that remind you of the goodness of God instead of the types of influences that drag you down to your worst. I don't know what that would mean for you. I know what it can mean for me, but I want God's word to produce a, a harvest in my life. How about you? I want to experience the fullness of his blessing. How about you? And so we need to contend. If we want to live in victory, believe that Jesus' word has value and resist the things that would try to rob it from us. Begin to mute the words of negativity that rob from us. 
Second thing we're going to need to contend against is a lack of roots, like, like hardness. Do you know, do you know I, I don't know about you, I kind of like, I like it when people notice the fruit of my life. Anyone else? I, I like it when, I, when I'm doing well and people notice it. But the thing is you can't have good fruit if you don't have good roots. You'll never produce healthy fruits that, that, that go the distance if you don't have healthy roots. And so there, there are a type of person, and maybe we've all been there at times, we hear the word of God and we're like, yes, going to do that. So hyped right now. But if you don't allow roots to go down, that will never produce long-term fruit. As soon as things get hard, you're out. And so I, I want to challenge you specifically, be planted. Like be planted in community. Be planted in relationship. Because when times of testing come, you need some people who come around you and remind you of what you already knew. That's one of the key roles of friends is they come alongside you and remind you what you already knew. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yes, you do know what you're doing. We've talked this through. You got this. Like, like we need people in our lives like that. Be rooted. Some people never produce fruit because they're never willing to simply be planted. And things that are planted in the house of God flourish over time. So stay rooted. Stay grounded. Like, like dig. To, that's how you, you uh, develop softness in your heart is by staying in, in community, staying in relationship. Third thing we need to contend against, it's just simple temptation, things that choke us out. The Bible says, it says this, that, that there, there's seed that planted is good, but there's room for things that aren't good to grow up with it, and it just chokes it out. So what do we do? We weed. Like, I don't know if you're, there's any gardeners in this place, but you just got to weed sometimes. I, I, I have made it my life's dedication to, to love Jesus. Like, like, really and truly, if you, you met me in different years of my life, it's almost always been that thing, top of mind, top priority in my life. And yet even this week, I had some things I just got to weed out. I said, if I let that stay, it will not help me grow. If I let this distraction stay in my life, it is not producing the type of fruit that looks like Jesus. I got to get this thing out of my life. I am constantly assessing and changing. I hope you're doing the same. Those who are victorious are doing the same. They're going, wait a minute, this worry, if I let it stay in my life, will choke me out. This distraction, if I let it, like, and it says even this, like possessions and pleasures. Possessions aren't bad. Pleasures aren't bad. Okay? But if you allow them to grow up in the same way that, that the word of God is growing up and they have equal value and equal strength, man, it's going to choke you out. So you need to continually make sure, am I putting my weight on this pleasure? A am, I, am I putting my identity on, on my possession? If I am, I'm in a dangerous place. It's going to choke me out. But then the ones who grow a harvest, the fourth thing, is they don't just hear, but they retain. They just retain. Have you, you ever heard the saying, it went in one ear and out the other? If you haven't heard that saying, it's because it went in one ear and out the other. Because you definitely have heard that saying. Like, like it, It's like, yeah, I guess it was said, it just didn't compute. And sometimes this happens rarely, but on occasion in our house where an instruction is given to our kids and then... You know, a while later, it hasn't happened yet. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't hear that. Did you say that? Like, yeah, we said that. And you were there and you nodded, right? And, and, and like, I've been, that, I've been that person as well. Like, yeah, I was in the room. Yeah, I heard the instruction. Yeah, I forgot. And the Bible says this, that don't just hear, but retain it. The best way to retain the word of God is to meditate on the word of God. The best way to retain the word of God is not just to tick a box, say, I read the Bible today, but actually to meditate upon it. For some, journaling will help. For others, talking about it will help. For all of us, both of those things would help. But whatever it takes, retaining the word of God, and then the Bible says persevering. Now, I have never met anyone in all my life whose thing is persevering. I just never met that. 
I've never like, some people are like, oh, I love music, I love art, I love sport, I love culture. I've never met anyone who's like, I'm just really like, I really love persevering. I really love just just working it out. Like like people develop that when they when they taste the fruit of harvest, but nobody's born that way. I just like having to stick with what I know to be true and living in my convictions. It just feels good. But you can develop an appetite for that when you understand that God's on your side and he wants you to win. Let's be the type of people who embrace this way to win. Why would we live anything less than that? So if you have an ear to hear, it's time that we hear. Let me pray for you. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.